Media, the pride of internet radio for Deep Creek Lake, Garrett County, Maryland, and the entire world. And we're here for another edition of Oro, edition, Oro Expeditions and then some 2.0. I'm Oro Cass, across the room as usual, Miss Paula, and we're going to get it fired up here for the next 55 minutes and see just what kind of fun we can talk about as far as Oro Expeditions. Yes, it's uh, been a long time since, or not a long time, but it's been a while since we've been able to get out for more than a day or two and get away from the house. So uh, 
but there's still a lot going on out there, even with uh, all this uh, virus stuff, because that's one thing that you can do and not have to worry about social distancing and face mask is gold mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that. there there are face masks, but it usually has to do with dredging and being underwater. <laughs> I'm say I got my face mask, but it hooks up to a regulator. Yeah. <laughs> you use a regulator with it. So, uh, yeah, we're going to cover a little bit about dredging and uh, prospecting. Uh, I guess we ought to start at the, at the top because, as everybody knows, it's involved with gold mining. It starts with a pan, and it ends with a pan. So uh, panning is very important. Uh, if you happen to have the cash available and join GPAA, Gold Prospectors Association of America, you don't even have to worry about where to get your first pan because they send you one in the membership kit. It's a really good pan, too. It's a really nice one. So that's a good way to start. Uh, you can find, of course, nowadays we have the Internet, so you can order all kinds of cool stuff like that online. And But if you want to get started in gold prospecting, which eventually leads to gold mining, a pan is your first choice, wouldn't you say, Miss Paula? Yeah, I mean, that's all it takes to go gold mining is a stream with some dirt in it and a gold pan and a shovel. Well, you don't even really need a stream, but I know what you mean. Well, it's easier. Can, I mean, I know people can dry pan, but it's easier with water. <laughs> My headset has a mind of its own tonight. It's had a mind of its own for a while now. I think I figured it out. I had my hair under it. <laughs> that would do it. That would do it. Yeah, that would. That might do it. Considering how old that headset is, it's amazing every time it works when you plug it in. Uh, yeah. Actually, I think I got it uh, when I had a PlayStation 3, and I've had a PlayStation 4 for quite a few years now. And now I've got everybody going, What's the guy that old his age doing with a PlayStation? Maybe you ought to tune in on Saturday free for all, and maybe you'll find out. <laughs> well, it keeps the fingers limber for all that panning and gold yeah. mining. It keeps your brain fresh because there's a lot of hand-eye coordination. There's a lot of memory involved on most games. Uh, you know, all people these days can figure out to do is complain about the violence in video games. Not once will you hear anybody on the news media or any place else for that matter, pretty much, other than maybe a, a occasional internet podcast or radio show, talk about the good things about gaming and why adults should do it too. Not only do they have millions of games at this point, that you can do all different types of tests with your reflexes, your hand-eye coordination, like I said before. It has to do with memory because most good games have a storyline and you eventually die and then you have to go back and regen and regenerate and start over and then you got to remember why you died. So, you know, video games is a good thing. And nowadays, let's just take it to the next level. Simulators are video games. And just think about all the places in the world that a simulator is used and what for. Well, yeah, I played one of the first video games ever. It was called a driving simulator. 
<laughs> yeah. In driver's ed. When you were 15. And when I was 15. I did the same thing. Man, was it crappy. <laughs> it was like sitting in a cardboard box holding a pie pan. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. It didn't resemble a car, the inside of a car whatsoever. And the video that they played on the screen, which was back in the days before everybody had videos. Video was like a big deal. But the video that played on the screen in the simulator was barely cartoon quality, I would say. Yeah, but they got the idea across. Yeah, yeah, that they did. And it worked because we all learned how to drive. But, of course, for me, driver's ed was pretty much a joke because my grandfather put me on his lap to steer, steering only. I don't know, what, about the age of eight or nine. And by the time I was 12 or 13 and my legs could reach the pedal, I was, every time we hit a dirt road, it was my turn to drive. So by the time I got to 15 and driver's ed, I was like, okay, where do I sign? <laughs> I don't need all this other stuff. I just need to know where to sign. Well, most country, most kids that were raised in the country or farm kids all knew how to drive. You started driving tractors. a tractor as soon as you were big enough to reach the pedals and push the clutch. That's it. And that was come in good if we're going to rotate back around here and swing back around to the whole treasure hunting, gold mining, crystal hunting, and all that. That's what the show's about tonight. Everything that has to do with hunting. Hunting is the key word for tonight's show. Uh, Miss Paul and I have hunted for quite a bit. Started out, I think one of the first things we went after was Clear Quartz Crystal in uh, Mount Ida, Arkansas, which is the best place to get clear water, what they call water clear quartz crystal. This quartz is so clear that if you get just the right piece, you can drop it in a glass of water and it disappears. That's how specimens. We still have some of what we got back in those days, but most of what we got has been sold. It was a lot of really nice points and clusters and so on. And back in that, back in, what was that, 1997, we were pretty much living on whatever we could figure out to make money with as far as selling you know, we were doing candles and quartz and crystals and all kinds of stuff, To Because it was a real big transitional time in our life. We were getting ready to make a move back here across country from Texas back here to Maryland. And so we, we had to be on our toes money-making-wise, don't you think? Yeah, that's true. Uh, in fact, I think well, we made a couple of stops on the way home and unloaded a good bit of crystal. Yeah, we got rid of most of our, most all of our big fancy cluster pieces and made a nice little chunk of change coming home. Uh, we'd already set it up on, back in those days, it was America Online. Yeah. Was the, <laughs> that, that was pretty much the internet, unless you knew how to write code or something. Or yeah, and, there wasn't any, and there wasn't any contact in anybody on your cell phone. No, 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 it wasn't. You the cell had to have a like lot a of shoe. money to have a cell phone. <laughs> and, it, and yeah, it was the size of a shoe. There was no texting. Or <laughs> no. And, uh, well, let's not even go back back quite that far to that part of the technology. You know, we covered PlayStation already, so we'll just leave it there. But, um, yeah, that, that was the fun days of America Online. It's where I learned how to be, how to do social media. A uh, little thing that we're learning these days with our courses that we're taking. Matter of fact, I forgot to bring that up right at the beginning. We're going to have to, uh, Paul and I, Miss Paul and I was very busy today. I need to switch gears here a little bit off of the hunting because this is what I originally start wanted to start the show with. And you'll see why when I get it out. 
today was a very interesting day. And if I'm not mistaken, Miss Paula probably found a part of herself that she hasn't known for quite a while. It's been hidden. And anything pretty sure it popped out of the box today because there was two people that we were being trained by that's some of the world's best trainers as far as motivation, as far as marketing, sales, um, well, just uh, the general psychology of bettering yourself. Bettering yourself, yeah, making yourself um, a better person. That goes along with all the, what do you say to you when you talk to yourself and self-talk and mm-hmm. and uh, bringing forth your the best that you can be. And well, I like to, to yeah, yeah. And to overcome all those, that social awkwardness that some people have. Well, and it was that, but also a lot of times our social awkwardness comes on us over time due to circumstances and conditions and surroundings. Um, So a lot of what we learned today was how to get rid of the crap that falls on you every day, basically. You know, we have, as an individual, we we walk through, we get out of bed and we walk through the day. And at the end of the day, we look back and there was X, X amount of crap and X amount of good stuff. And for most people, thanks to this virus and all that other stuff, the crap is over doing the good stuff. And when that happens, your brain remembers it and it gets loaded down on you. Is this somebody shoveling snow on you or maybe something else, a little different color? It starts with the same word or letter. Okay. And well, this is PG. So yeah, it could be some doo-doo somebody's shoveling on you and you don't know it. You don't realize it. This goes on every day of our lives. What we went through in this training today taught us to recognize that crap and how to get rid of it. That's that's my best way of explaining it. Well, yeah. Um, I guess my biggest problem when it comes to being social is not wanting to talk to stupid people. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you just canceled out about eighty percent of the population of the planet. Ain't? That's why I'm not social. <laughs> Well, maybe I'm being a little rougher. Maybe it's more like 60%. But, I mean, I've had a lot of excellent conversations on social media, but I've also seen some of the stupidest conversations I've ever seen on social media. Well, I'm going to tell on you because your little thing is about the fluff, what you call the fluff, what I call the emotional fortitude and the, the good stuff, that stuff that makes you vibrate, the stuff that gives you goosebumps. And a lot of times you refer to that as fluff, and that's okay. That's your opinion of it. But I think, if I'm not mistaken, today the word fluff probably disappeared, right? Um. Now remember who you were listening to. Yeah, we're I know. We're not giving that name up yet. Any people that know right now who we were listening to are people on Facebook. So. Yeah, I, I mean, not totally. I, I'm, I'm not a big. I like to have conversations with substance. Um, okay, but how about this? Do you feel differently about TR than you used to? Well, yeah, I do. When uh, he and I have both come a long way. <laughs> yeah, and TR, not a big secret. TR, we got the the pleasure, the extreme pleasure, of being able to join Tony Robbins' live internet seven day challenge. At the exact same time, without even realizing that I had done it, about a week later, which has been a couple of weeks ago, about a week later, I signed up for a gentleman by the name of Ray Higdon's 
online challenge, and his happens to go 14 days. And it's these two are kind of similar to what we went through with a guy by the name of Pete Vargas not long ago, where we did a 30-day challenge where you had to show up every day for 30 days. And we pulled it off, other than maybe a couple of days right at the end. Well, so, Of the three of them, um, I think I like these two better than Pete. I mean, Pete is good, and Pete brought together a lot of people, but I think I like Ray and well, it's, Tony. It's, it's smaller. It's more personal. Like Tony today was on the camera, and he was jumping up out of his chair and getting right up where you could see the pimples on his or the mold, uh, pores on his nose. I mean, that's, that's yeah, how just, close and up front we were with Tony Robbins today. And was, yeah, and 55,000 of our closest friends. <laughs> yeah, we were, they had, they had uh, 55,000 people on a Zoom room. Oh, on Facebook? No, 55, yeah, 55,000 in the Facebook room, and then another 200,000, I guess it was, because they said it was 240,000 people oh. signed in all at the same time, and they had almost a million people sign up for it worldwide. That's how big this was. We were in, we were in a group of 245,000 people today for over four hours visiting with Tony Robbins. <laughs> His and, basement. <laughs> yeah, and he was – well, I don't know if that was his basement. That yeah, it was, was a beautiful basement. basement. Good. Yeah. And we learned a lot. We learned about, you know, of course, a lot of the material that these guys cover, Miss Paula and I have already been exposed to numerous times because of our time marketing. We, we've been working with network marketing and other types of marketing now since 1991 when we were living in Texas. So – you know, a lot of the motivational stuff, a lot of the self-talk, a lot of that, well, it wasn't new to us. But the fact that it was Tony Robbins, somebody that has been on my bucket list for years, and I actually got to see once live, um, this experience was 10 times better than that. Because when I saw him live, it was in a group of, I don't know, what, 1,100 people, and he was on a stage way over there. Oh, no. Not just that. When we first saw him, I mean, he said it's like he said he's been doing this for 43 years. Well, we saw him when he was still wet behind the ears at doing this, and he's come a long way since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's an incredible guy. And Ray Higdon, I give him the same kudos. The same. He, he to me, he's just as big as Tony Robbins, even though he's not as well known. To give you an idea of the contrast between the two meetings, we had them both going simultaneously in two different rooms. And we was kind of just going back and forth and listening in and trying to figure out who was getting the best information at the time. And the good news is I'm pretty sure all of it's on recording, so we'll be able to go back and catch stuff we missed. But the the power of today will carry me on for months as far as motivation, gratitude. Uh, we learn things like you can't be angry and have gratitude at the same time. Check that one out. How's that for a little golden nugget? Um, you can't you can't be you can't be depressed and show gratitude at the same time. You can't have both of those at the same time. So what Tony's point is, you got to pick one or the other. We want you want to be depressed, or do you want to show gratitude and have you know the positive feelings? It's all about the positive, the positive, and and trying to eliminate as much negative as possible. That's the whole pretty much the big outline for the whole day 
And I can't wait for tomorrow. Today was just the first day. And these guys that do these speaking things, they get fired up starting on the second go-round. So tomorrow is going to be huge. And just so you know it, anybody that's listening, I will be doing a Facebook Live or a Facebook um, uh, what do they call it? Watch party. Oh. I'm on, I'll be doing a watch party with Tony Robbins, uh, and we'll be doing that. I don't know on my personal page or possibly on Opportunity Knocks. You might want to check and see. I'll make a post later this evening about it. Opportunity knocking. Knocking, yeah. Opportunity knocking. Uh, that is a page on Facebook. Be sure and check it out and like it. Now, and uh, that'd be around two o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, starting at 2 p.m. tomorrow. That's when Ray and Tony both start. So, actually, Ray's got this crazy thing going where this Ray Higdon is the guy that brags about the fact that he's done a Facebook Live every single day for seven over seven years. Now imagine that. How many Facebook Lives is that without using your calculator? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot. Impressive. And that's his big thing is you got to get your face out there, not just your voice. So that's another reason why we're going to be figuring out a way here in the near future sometime this summer. We're going to be putting together a package where we're on Blog Talk Radio talking, but we're also on Zoom on video in the studio here. So that's something we're putting together, working on. shouldn't take too much longer. And at that point, we will be you know, into the whole video thing. Video is where it's at these days, whether you're marketing, whether you're trying to be friends, whatever, anything that you're doing on the internet, if you're doing it with a video, you're getting the most attention. Well, yeah. I mean, some of the biggest apps are like FaceTime and Duo and uh, Messenger Rooms and Zoom. And so anything that involves video is seems to be where it's at, I guess, because people's attention Well, they all went crazy with it. I mean, Facebook just come up with this new thing for rooms, you know. Messenger rooms, yeah. Messenger rooms, and uh, you can do live video. You can do watch parties. There's a bunch of stuff on there where it used to just be, like, gifts and so on, a little list of stuff, extra stuff you can do, posting. It's a big, long list now. There's a lot of stuff on it. So... Let's jump it back over, uh, let's see, about six more minutes to the bottom of the hour. Yeah, four or five more minutes. And uh, get back into the whole hunting frame of mind. <clears throat> I wanted to cover that part about Ray and Tony because it was big for us. And anybody that decides to tune in, it'll be big for you too. And it doesn't matter if you're whether you're marketing or if you just want to become a better person. That's That's what Tony and Ray are both all about. Ray's a little bit more on the marketing side. Tony is more on the self-help side. Yeah, he's uh, he's more about you and less about the marketing. Ray is about he's he's more yeah, like you said, he's more about the marketing because he's like, well, you know, you know, write an article. Well, you don't know what to write an article about. He said, I can give you sixteen things in three minutes to write an article. Yeah, well, and uh, you know. His whole big thing is about being live on Facebook, and that's big because a lot more people are doing it nowadays, and whenever you do a live Facebook, it goes out as a recording when you're finished, and it's there for good. If you put it in a place where people can find it, 
millions of people over a period of years could see it. Well, That's why they're so powerful. Uh, people are nearly illiterate these days. They don't read. Um, they don't write. Uh, I mean, some of them write in this text jargon that uh, your English teacher would flip over in her grave the way kids, uh, people write these days. So you have to do video because everybody's becoming illiterate. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. That's uh, that's that's one reason to do video. But uh, if you're illiterate, are you going to really understand much? That's my question. But uh, enough of that stuff. Back to the hunting of things. Uh, this is not hunting season as in animals around here. That's in the fall of the year. This is fishing season nowadays around here. So if we're hunting, we must be hunting something else. To give you an idea, I just picked up a new book. Yeah, I'm a book guy. I just picked up a new book the other day. Well, it's been a couple of weeks ago. And I think we mentioned it on the first show after I got it. Actually, there's two books that I got together. And I want to talk about these a little bit. First one is one that I've been wanting to get for a while. And I kept putting it off and then forgetting about it. And putting it off and forgetting about it. And I finally ordered it on Amazon. It's called Buried Treasures You Can Find. A reference guide to more than 7,500 locations in all 50 states. And this is a book of wealth if you are a treasure hunter. Because it has, it's a very small print, which means there's a lot of words, a lot of pages. It has each state marked out. And I'll give you a little example here with our state, just how cool it is. For For the state of Maryland, the one that's got me the most interested is listed as the lost site of Fort Cumberland. It was on the Potomac River at Wills Creek in Allegheny County. The fort was built in 1750, and Washington served as commander for two years. Yes, that's George Washington. Served for two years during the French and Indian War. But the place was never attacked and was finally abandoned in 1765. It was briefly occupied again in 1794, and this is the last we know of it. A town was laid out nearby in 1785, first called Washington Town, and renamed Cumberland in 1787. It became the eastern terminus of the National Road begun in 1811, through which many settlers found the way to the west. The town soon lost its importance with the coming of the railroads and the Chesapeake and Ohio Canal, but still stands today. Ruins of early buildings can be found in the surrounding hills. That is the reason, the number one reason that I bought this book. Because I knew there was something like that around, and this book verified it. Uh, we have a Civil War fort that we're a location close by here in Garrett County that used to be a Civil War fort. Uh, must not be any treasure buried there because they didn't mention it in the book. <laughs> I understand there's some old Buicks buried from a flood in 1930 or something like that. <laughs> it must have been about the late 30s, I, I was metal detecting over there, and I found the radiator plate for a 1929 Roadster Buick. I believe that's what it was, wasn't it? Buick Roadster? Yeah. And it's a really cool little metal plot, and what is the re- really cool thing about it is it still has some of the original dark blue and bright white paint from those days. And it's just as vibrant blue and vibrant white as it was the day it was painted on the little places where the paint's still hanging on. 
So that that was something I, I was just out looking for like, you know, quarters and dimes and nickels and stuff and then I thought, wait a minute, this is a civil war site. So there's gotta be a lot of activity clear back into the eighteen hundreds, so let's go check this out. And I've I've been doing a grid search on the whole location. I'm about a quarter of the way finished with an area probably the size of about three acres. It's about a about a two to three acre two and a half, three acre plot that I've got laid out and anything's possible. I'm hoping to come up with some Civil War stuff before it's over. Oh, you come up with a lot of old nails. I said you come up with a lot of excuse me, old nails when you were going through your grid search. Yeah, the old square nails. And, uh, the hand cut and Yeah, uh, Fort Alice was the, uh, is the name of that fort uh, here in, in Oakland, and uh, he's found a lot of other stuff. He's taken up magnet fishing, which uh, you take a m- big old magnet and tie it on the end of a rope and throw it out in the river and see what you can catch. <laughs> and uh, he had uh, stopped one day at um, a little boat landing, and I it must have it was a a regular bridge for traffic but it must have one time been a railroad bridge because you found an awful lot of railroad spikes that had been there for years and years that had a lot of rust on them oh you're um, talking about the magnet fishing now yeah doesn't switch subjects on me <laughs> yeah it's uh my newest my newest fun is uh i finally ordered me a magnet and when i did i ordered two because there's all different sizes of magnets Usually they're big flat plate looking things with a big ring on the top so you can hook a carabiner on it and tie a good strong rope on it. And magnet fishing is something I'm pretty sure came to us from Europe. Pretty sure that's probably where it started or has been going on the longest simply because of the canals and lakes and rivers having things in them that are much older than what they are here. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, considering how much... Uh, longer civilization's been going on in Europe than here. Right. We, uh, uh, yeah, we blew past the half hour break, didn't we? Yeah. But, well, we're going to take a little quick break here, folks, and when we come back, i got another book here in my hands that we're going to talk about, and I'm hoping that somebody who hears this in archive will like the sound of this one, because I'm going to start a group I believe on Facebook about this book and see if we can, you're picking out a song over there, right? See if we can uh, get a group started on this particular book, even though there's already hundreds, maybe thousands of groups about it. And the name of that book is the secret, a treasure hunt. We'll be right back.
Yeah, I know. Why? That was Avicii. And wake me up when it's all over. I can't hear you. No. No. Okay. <laughs> well, we, yeah, we we fixed that problem once. I guess we have to fix it again. Well, with that microphone, you never know. Um, but uh, he can jump back on the secret whenever uh, he gets situated around there. 
but uh but uh I wanted to uh <laughs> I was gonna do a little uh, a, a little article here by uh Shannon Poe for the American Miners Rights Association and uh yeah cuz I unmuted you whenever we came back on the air you know just have to run it through the troubleshooter again and uh this is you know on and off for years we've been talking about dredging and the lack thereof in California and the continuing legal battle that's been going on and uh Shannon wrote this article about uh, California regulating small scale mining to death and he is the president and founder of the American Miner, Mining Rights Association, or what we call AMRA. And you can find this on the Facebook page for American Mining Rights Association or over at uh, AMRA.org. And it says, I vividly remember the day in August of 2009 when suction dredging had a moratorium placed upon it claiming additional studies needed to be done because the allegation by Democrat lawmakers was suction dredging kills salmon and steelhead. I was underwater running a four-inch dredge and pulling nice big chunky gold about 30 miles west of Yosemite the day the closure took place. I had a buddy hike up the river to my dredge and tell me dredging has just been banned because they are saying we kill salmon. As I stood there in my wetsuit, my mask hanging off my neck, I looked at the small river I was dredging and thought to myself, there's no salmon here, there never have been. Many of the mining claims in California haven't had any salmon since the dams with no fish ladders in the early to mid-1900s. Ever get that look on your face where something sounds so stupid that it makes you squint? Well, I was squinting that day and I'm still squinting. Fast forward to today and the argument by the environmentalists and the politicians who are controlled by them are now morphed into mercury, methylation, toxicity, and turpidity, muddy water, as the original claim they kill salmon has been thoroughly disproven. This has never been about salmon, fish eggs, or the purple-haired toad with its restricted habitat. It is about our natu natural resources money, and control over our public lands and resources. They switch arguments for shutting down all forms of mining as quickly and frequently as we change our socks. They give passes to organizations like the Sierra Fund, a California environmental group who obtains millions in grant money to suction dredge to remove mercury, but also keeps all the gold they find. Firstly, we must understand that currently in California, anything mechanized or motorized is considered a suction dredge thanks to the language in SB 637 passed nearly five years ago by Senator Ben Allen, a Democrat from Hollywood, who also has close ties to the environmental group Sierra Fund, the only entity allowed to legally suction dredge in the state. A post hole digger used to test the placer deposit near Sonora is a dredge. A tiny handheld battery-powered water pump for a power sluice on the Yuba is a suction dredge. And that generator used to run lights at night to dig out a crack in the Mojave Desert is a suction dredge. Using any or all of these are subject to fines, confiscation, and a trip in front of the judge. 
We believe they shifted from salmon to these draconian definitions because we were able to disprove the assertion we kill fish. The authoritarian-style government enforcement is so absurd, we know of two people who have been cited for storing their dredges on their private property. One man had his dredge in a cargo container and hadn't used it in over a decade, long before the moratorium in 2009. The equipment was witnessed in this container by a passing Department of Fish and Wildlife officer, and his citation was mailed to him. The other had bought a little two-inch dredge high banker combo at a garage sale, and it was in the back of his SUV in his driveway after he returned from whom he'd purchased it from but had not unloaded it. They claimed since there were dry creeks on both properties, they were in violation of having equipment within 100 yards of a waterway per SB 637. Wait a minute. Did you say dry creek? Yes. That's what I thought you said. So they they took their dredges because they were trying to dredge a dry creek. That sounds like California law enforcement. <laughs> well, they cited him because he had had this little dredge in the back of his vehicle, but he lived within 100 yards of a dry creek bed. Yeah, imagine that. Using this logic, a FedEx driver picking up a dredge just manufactured from the two manufacturers in California, Keene and Proline, could be in serious trouble, too. Say Wally, the FedEx driver, picks up a dredge from Proline in Coulterville, which has a destination of South Africa. How many rivers, gullies, or waterways would he have to cross, putting him in violation of SB 637 before he got to the airport? How many miners are right now, this minute, in violation of this ridiculous law because they have equipment stormed in their garage near a creek on their property? After SB 637 was passed with only a handful of supporters, nearly all environmental groups, and hundreds and hundreds of miners opposing the bill, the bill mandated the California Water Board to evaluate whether or not suction dredging and, because of the vague language, high bankers, post hole diggers, and track wheelchairs should be prohibited in the state and require a permit. The board of directors at the California Water Board, also at the urging of the Sierra Fund and other environmental groups, decided to shift to mercury to achieve their goal of prohibition. Even though there has never been one person sickened from eating any fish contaminated from mercury in the state, they are now using this as their sledgehammer to try and prohibit dredging anywhere there was historical mining. They decided we would need a National Pollution Discharge Elimination System through them on behalf of the EPA. We'd like to state again, we, as we have since this craziness began, suction dredging should not require a National Pollution Discharge Elimination, uh, elimination System period, permit period. Suction dredging does not add any pollutant with the activity whatsoever. In fact, the water behind the dredge is cleaner than the water in front of the dredge. What the activity creates is incidental fallback, not pollution. Suction dredging simply lifts the gravel from in front of the dredge, and it falls back into the waterway at the back of the dredge. Dredging removes mercury, lead, old fishing hooks, and other trash and heavies. The California Water Board can enforce the NPDES permit via working memorandum of understanding with the EPA. After over four years, dozens of studies, we, being AMRA, 
and a handful of other groups like the Western Mining Alliance, Delta Gold Diggers, GPAA, Kevin Bell, and others collectively and successfully prove that we don't kill fish with science and facts, which is why we believe they switched and focused on the mercury argument. The California Water Board has now decided to actually permit suction dredging, but in very, very few places where there is gold, and even that fraction of a percentage of claims where it is allowed, almost all don't have water. Why, you might ask? Two years ago, Jeremy Clements, AMRA's chief research officer, and I sat down in person with the director of the California Water Board, the assistant director, their head counsel, and one other person. We talked for two hours about permitting fish, fish habitat, water quality, gold, and mercury. The director, Eileen Sobeck, appointed by Governor Newsom, made a statement that it looked like they would permit dredging with some prohibitions. We asked what prohibitions, and she replied, anywhere there was historical mining. I told her there isn't a creek or drainage in the state during the gold rush where there wasn't a hole dug in search for gold. We asked her why, and she stated we assumed that all historical mining used mercury, and we can't risk contaminating our waters. We asked, so you're assuming that every hole dug in the 1800s used mercury? Yes, she replied. I asked her point blank, have you done mercury studies on all the creeks, rivers, lakes, and waterways to determine if they did, in fact, use mercury? She replied, no. I asked her, does the California Water Board have plans to do studies to determine if mercury was used in all the places she is proposing prohibiting suction dredging? And her reply was, again, no. I made the comment to her, the mercury is already in the rivers and dredging removes much of it. Using your theory would be like saying you should never vacuum your carpet for fear of a speck of dust getting on your coffee table. So based on the assumption, not science, studies or facts, they are proposing prohibiting dredging on almost all California dredge claims based on no evidence, just a gut feeling. Again, we don't believe a permit should be required at all, and most certainly it should not be prohibited based on someone's gut feelings or unfound assumptions. The permit will also cost well over $3,000 and is val valid for five years. What this effectively does is make most dredge claims or those with water worthless. Most valuable mineral deposits on placer claims are found underwater, as you all know. To only be able to mine that deposit with a shovel and a pan is not only absurd, it is impossible. Are you starting to see the big picture yet? Let me give you a great example. I have a mining claim in South Motherlode, which is a tiny portion was dredged in 1997 and produced two and three pound nuggets. The old timers could not divert the water out of the canyon and therefore the deep holes never got worked as they did not have breathing apparatus to get down to 30 feet to the bottom with the year round water. The deposit remains untouched. We cannot even snipe for gold with scuba gear as those devices are motorized or mechanized methods as they too are considered a suction dredge. What is my claim worth with gold off limits? Here in California, we pay, pay property taxes on each and every claim as mining claims are real property in every sense of the word. Declared fallow, will the state pay me for fallowing my land? Take a look at this, Then there's a, a map which shows all the, the practically the whole state covered with gold claims. Okay. 
It's not, but go ahead. I'll finish it up next time. No, how much more is it? We're looking at about 11 minutes. Uh, Probably about 15 minutes, 20 minutes worth. No, <laughs> that's good. We'll do some more AMRA next Tuesday night because we really are big fans of AMRA and Shine and Poe. Uh, got to meet a lot of members of that group when we were out west between 2013 and 2016, 15. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to get back to something that we had mentioned earlier before we ran out of time, which is the book, The Secret, A Treasure Hunt. And there's a lot of stuff in here I wanted to share, but we're going to, I just want to read this inside the front cover so people can understand what it's about. Welcome. We've been expecting you. You are about to embark on a fantastic journey. Oh, a fantastic adventure, not journey. A quest for 12 treasures, over $10,000 in precious jewels. They may be hidden in your city or your local park or even in your own backyard. You might even figure out one of their hiding places without ever leaving your house. You are about to learn the answer to an age-old mystery. Whatever happened to the fair people, the goblins, dragons, fairies, leprechauns, and other fantastic creatures of the old world. You are about to meet their descendants. For the first time, you will see the creatures who are really responsible for all the unexplainable things that happened to us. From the Major D. Amon, who makes sure you get the table near the kitchen, to the screaming Mimi, who loves the sound of a baby crying in your ears. Plus, you have a chance to send in your own sightings of these fantastic creatures. The Secret, a treasure hunt, a mythology for the modern world. You are cordially invited to participate. And yeah, it looks like I might have time for this one other little tidbit here. Yeah. The tale simple told, a long, long time ago before the age when man and woman sailed in ships to lands where they never seen, there existed in the old world two empires, that of man and that of the fair people. Man named his abode civilization, for man was an acquisitive creature and names were things he could possess. He could not fly on wings of gossamer like a fairy, nor hide in the gentle slope of a mountain like a giant, nor throw fire through a gust of wind like a dragon. So man often found his strength in words. People had no cities or towns or houses. Their homes were nature, and in it they could play or hide or make themselves unseen to man, who feared nature, for he could not control it. What man could not control, he often sought to change. Thus, over the centuries, man built his cities and his villages and diminished the fair people's domain, nature. Where once lived a goblin, there rose a tavern. Where once swam a river maiden, a water wheel was spinning. Forest to lumber, earth to road. Man expanded his empire, and the fair people were threatened from England to Cathay, from Bristol to Bombay. There came a call from the fair people for a new home, untrampled by civilization. Representatives of the fair people of the old world were sent to seek it. Elves, fairies, sprites, poleta, dwinda. From 13 lands, they departed the old world to find the new one, and they did. You are about to read of the fantastic passage of the fair people who, like man, arrived on the shores of the new world with dreams of freedom and contentment. You are about to learn of their wonder stones, the 12 treasures brought with them in their passage to the newfound land, diamond, ruby, pearl, amethyst, emerald, sapphire, pyridot, garnet, topaz, aquamarine. 
and you will discover what happened when the fair people found man of the new world who shared their deep love for nature. Best of all, you will learn of your role in the fair people's story and the significance of the quest for their treasure in the relationship between man and the fair people. Across North America, 12 treasures are waiting. The key to each requires the proper combination of one treasure painting with one treasure verse. You need only decipher the clues in any pair to learn the location of a treasure cask. In each cask awaits a key. The return of the key will gain its treasure for you. If you're unable to retrieve the cask but believe you have determined its site, you may acquire it its treasure by successfully completing the form in the back of this book with a precise description and explanation of your discovery. Any successful discoveries of a treasure will be described in the next edition of The Secret. Finally, you will meet many of the modern descendants of the fair people who arrived on America's shores. You are cordially invited to inform us in words or pictures of your own sightings of the fair people as you hunt for the treasures, as yet unseen for inclusion in the next edition of The Secret. This is our story, simply told, the mystery is yours to unravel. And I get goosebumps every time I read that. Yeah, I could see why. Because I want to find at least one of them. To date, there's been three, I believe, three found. Matter of fact, one of them was found about two weeks after the guy that buried him and started this whole thing. Brian, I think is his first name. Uh, About two weeks after he secretly buried these things in the middle of the night in most most of the places there are are in city parks and some places nowadays because they buried these things in the 70s i believe or early 80s i think it was 79 78 something like that is how long this thing's been going on and since then there's been a lot of changes like the one place there's a gate that leads to a beach i believe it's the one in saint augustine Florida, and there's this really old pair of pillars that used to be hold a big iron gate because where this gate was used to be a resort, and now it's just a park, but the gate's still there that leads to the beach without the gate in between the pillars, so it's just the two pillars, and the thing that goes up over the two pillars in an arch is a good chance that what's on that on that archway, when you look at the one painting and turn the book upside down, that archway is in the painting. So they're probably really close there. The problem is that gate was built in like the 20s, 1920s. And today, after all the hurricanes and all the beach erosions and all the different changes to the land, the only thing that looks like it did when it was built are the two posts. So there's a chance that that treasure got washed out to sea, if if that's the place where it's at. Yeah, and uh, one good thing about uh, you get to. Okay, one good thing about uh, one good piece of news is you don't have to look for Finn's treasure anymore because they found it. Yeah, that's what I was going to finish up with. The uh, forest Finn, the treasure, the box with the gold and the silver coins and. I think it was supposed to be $1.2 million altogether, has been found. And the bad news, because I know everybody's next question is where. But the bad news, they're not disclosing where, the exact location, and the man that found it is not disclosing who he is. He's remaining anonymous. So 
a treasure hunt that ends in a mystery. That's pretty so cool. I want to thank everybody for joining us tonight on KDCL Media, the pride of internet radio for Deep Clay Lake, Sierra and the world. And join us again on Thursday evening at 9 p.m. And Miss Rosalie will take us out of here. Good night, everybody. Good night, folks. Take me to Ooh.